0: So, this morning we return to the meditative cultivation of compassion, and as we've done in the past, we're focused on the most obvious dimension of suffering, and that is blatant suffering, of which there is, there are two kinds, mental and physical. It hurts. As we arouse the aspiration that we may all be free of physical suffering, then we need to envision how this might occur. Or at least how there could be less, less physical suffering. And if we just focus for the time being on the human population, not to discount all the other sentient beings, animals, and all the other ones mentioned in the Buddhist worldview, then this would really focus on practical issues like that all beings, that all humans may have enough to eat. It's really hard. To be hungry and have no food. That brings a lot of mental suffering, as well as physical suffering. Enough to eat, focusing at the time being on physical suffering, having clothing. We don't need much here in Phuket. We could rock in naked and be fine, but most parts of the globe aren't quite that benign. Clothing, shelter. Again, in many climates it's awfully important. Medical care. When you're ill or injured, So important. So much suffering can be there, if you don't have medical care, including anesthesia. So important. So we can arouse aspiration that we may all have all that we need, hedonically, to give us as much protection as we can from physical suffering. In terms of being utterly free of physical suffering, if we go to the classic Mahayana literature, stages of the paths, the five paths, the ten Arya Bodhisattva levels, it said you're not really free, you're not invulnerable to physical suffering until you're an Arya Bodhisattva. You're a Bodhisattva way, way up there, direct realization of emptiness. At that point, not only are not only are you not clinging to your body as being I or mine, but you see that your body has is utterly devoid of any inherent nature whatsoever. It is nothing more than a conceptual designation. has no more substance than an illusion, a mirage, an echo, or a dream. So it is said that an Ayurveda Bodhisattva can cut off his own limbs. Or you want an arm? Whack off an arm and give it away like vegetables, like cutting vegetables and giving away. Just no distress at all. Fingers, livers, whatever. whack, 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 whack. Just like a vegetable market. But it would be a while before we're are you a better Okay? So in the meantime, anesthesia, food, clothing, shelter, those kind of things. So there it is. But then we come to mental suffering. And of course we know people can be in perfectly good physical health, even glamorously beautiful, radiantly good health, triathlon, Olympic athletes, and so forth and so on, and be abjectly miserable to the point of suicide. All mental, mental, mental. So how might all sentient beings be free of mental suffering? Well, multiple strategies. Mental suffering, the black plague of mental suffering, is carried on the fleas of concepts. No concepts, mental suffering doesn't, can't be conveyed. It can't infect you. If your mind is completely non-conceptual, there's no way for there's nothing for mental suffering to hold on to. It gets in there. It encroaches. It catches by way of concepts. So, with the practice of mindfulness of breathing, with every out breath, like a fan, like like a fan, like a rotating fan, just you turn the fan towards the towards the involuntary thoughts as you're breathing out, and you just blow all those fleas away. You don't cut them off. You don't you don't imprison them. You just blow them away. So they're trying to get in, and they just you know. The wind's going in the opposite direction. Blow them away, relentlessly, every single out-breath. The fleas are coming in, blow them away. Blow them away. And then when you're inverting your awareness, that is in mindfulness of breathing, invert your awareness in a non-conceptual space. Tackle sensations at the nostrils, the belly, the body. There are no concepts in there. You're protected in a zone that is non-conceptual. They can't get in there. As long as your attention is focused in a non-conceptual space, concepts can't get in. As soon as you release and the concepts start coming in again, blow them away. From moment to moment, every moment your mind is free of concepts. Mental suffering can't get in. The culmination of that path, this little tiny path of shamatha, the nine stages, access to the first jhana, culminates in the mind becoming non-conceptual. You're on the threshold of the form realm. In terms of samadhi, from that point on, as long as you're in samadhi, You never have any mental suffering. Zero. Nada. In shamatha itself, just resting in the substrate consciousness, no mental suffering. It's only bliss. Achieve the first jhana, only bliss. Second jhana, only bliss. Third jhana, only a sense of well-being. Fourth jhana, you're even beyond bliss. There is no suffering in the form realm. There's no suffering in the formless realm. There's no suffering even in the threshold to the form realm. Just achieving shamatha. No mental suffering. And as long as you're in samadhi, no mental suffering. So one can imagine one strategy as a chief shamatha and then come out and be like the monkey that closes his eyes and closes the ear. Hear no, see, hear no evil. See no evil. Give me some food. Bye. And then go right back in. And then you won't have any suffering in between either. Just ignore the whole world and remain in samadhi and keep your eyes closed when you come out of samadhi. Eat, poop, and then go right back in again. And you'll be a completely worthless human being. But you won't be suffering mentally. That's the second strategy. No, that's the first strategy. That's the first strategy. There's another entirely different strategy. Again, going back to classic Mahayana literature, the Abhisamalankara, the great commentaries on the five paths, the ten bumis. And that is achieve effortless, genuine, authentic bodhicitta. Access, again, entry into the Mahayana path of accumulation. The entryway, the entrance into the Mahayana path, become a bodhisattva. Become a bodhisattva so that you spontaneously, from your heart of hearts, you cherish others more than yourself. And out of that cherishing others more than yourself, great compassion arises, great loving kindness arises, bodhicitta arises spontaneously and effortlessly. From that point on, it said, you've just entered the path. No more mental suffering. You don't even have realization of emptiness yet. But no more mental suffering. Physical suffering, sure. No more mental suffering. How can that be? Number one, you've achieved shamatha, so that's good while you're in session, but now even when you're out of session, when you're not in samadhi, still no mental suffering. How is that possible? It's not that mysterious. Let's just focus for the time being just on the 7 billion human beings on the planet, let alone the countless other beings, many of which obviously exist, some of them. Maybe issues of belief, at least for us. Not for them. Imagine that you're attending, your mind is just filled. Your mind is just reaching out like space. Through all the waking life, just reaching out and attending to 7 billion human beings on the planet attending to them, drenching your mind them, attending closely with your open heart. And that just fills your mind, the well-being, the sufferings, the hopes and fears of seven billion human beings. And that's just your world. That's where you're living. That's where your attention is. That's what's real to you. So much suffering, but also joys. So much suffering, so much needless suffering. And that's what fills your mind And imagine as you're holding that spaciousness of awareness, embracing all 7 billion human beings on the planet, that on one day, on Tuesday, one of them undergoes some tremendous adversity. Great distress. One of them does. How much will that rock your mind when out of 7 billion people, one of them has a really awful day, or some room? Real tragedy strikes. I mean, genuine loss of a child. Something absolutely not trivial. Loss of a child, a spouse. uh, Finding you, just discovering this person has terminal cancer, has only weeks to live. Seven billion people you're attending to, and you've just learned that one of them has just discovered he has only days to live because he has terminal cancer. How will that rock your world? Seven billion people, and one of them is having a really, really awful. infinitesimal, one out out of seven billion, because you're attaining equally to all of them. So do you care any less about that person? Absolutely not. That's one of our fellow mother-sentient beings, brother-sister-sentient beings. But one out of seven billion is hardly going to ruin your day, because you're aware of all seven billion simultaneous. And now imagine that one sentient being who's just had an awful day, the worst day of his life, is you. How is that going to affect your day when it happens to be you? No more than if it was anybody else. In other words, no mental suffering. Throw a stone the size of your fist into a teacup, and it's a tempest. I mean, it upsets everything. It shatters the cup. It's a disaster. It's a catastrophe one stone the size of your fist into a teacup man it just fills it fills your world take the same stone and throw it into the Pacific Ocean so that's the second way your mind your heart is so vast that any self-centered troubles just are like throwing a stone out of an airplane at 35,000 feet in the middle of the Pacific you don't even see a splash is there any other way to be free of suffering, apart from way, way, way up there on the path to become an ahad and so forth and so on. Free of mental suffering. Is there any other way? And lo and behold, there is. Become perfectly lucid with respect to your own mind. Whatever comes up, don't grasp onto it images, memories, thoughts, fantasies, hopes, fears, emotions, desires, whatever comes up, let them come up in the space of the mind. And let them be orphans. Don't own them, don't possess them. Don't latch onto them. Don't fuse with them. Be totally present, without withdrawing into samadhi, without going anywhere. Just be present with them. and the freedom from grasping, they can't get you. And you're free of suffering. And the snap of the finger, even without the thoughts vanishing, still the same old thoughts. Same old thoughts. Same dredging, dredging, dredging. The most awful thoughts. Despicable thoughts. We can't control the thoughts so much. Any more than we can control bad dreams. Some of you have mentioned you've got some really awful dreams coming up. You can't control. But once a bad dream comes up, there is one possibility: become lucid, and then however bad the dream is, doesn't get you, no mental suffering. They're mirages, they're rainbows, they're dreams. What's to be upset about? It's like a bad movie. It'll be over soon. But even if it lasts a long time, it doesn't really matter. It's just a movie. It's just empty appearances. Nothing to it. Nothing to be distressed about. So the way out of, out of mental suffering in the dream state is to become lucid, and the way out of mental suffering in the waking state is to become lucid. So let's cultivate compassion for all sentient beings, that one way or another, we can minimalize our physical suffering and eventually be free, and be free of mental suffering as swiftly as possible. Find a comfortable position. Settle your body in its natural state, relaxed, still, and vigilant, and with as little grasping as possible. Simply let the tactile sensations throughout this field of experience arise in space, dissolve back into space. Settle your respiration in its natural rhythm, fully mindful and yet as free from grasping as possible. The grasping of restraint, the grasping of effort. Let your mind at ease by releasing all miseries of the past through releasing all thoughts of the past and all anxieties about the future by releasing all thoughts about the future. Let your awareness come to rest non-conceptually in the present moment. while resting in open presence, non-conceptual, fully attentive to all six fields of experience and to the appearances that arise within those fields. Still and unmoving, Through settling your body, speech and mind, gain a little taste of freedom. Rouse your mind. Attend to the reality of blatant suffering of body and mind to which you are still vulnerable. And in the Buddhist, you will continue to be vulnerable forever. Until you cut the root of suffering. With each in-breath arouse a yearning to be free, free of the suffering of the body and of the mind, and envision the causes of such freedom as you eradicate the causes of blatant suffering. With each in-breath, imagine the darkness, the cloud of such blatant suffering, being drawn into and extinguished in the light of your heart. And with each in-breath, imagine becoming free. Imagine being free by whatever method. Turn your awareness outwards and focus your attention where you will on an individual or more than one who are afflicted with latent suffering and practices before. The only reason we are so heavily afflicted by our own suffering is because we pay such close and sustained attention to it. Now pay such close and sustained attention to the suffering of others. Let it bring forth this aspiration from your heart that we may all be free. The mighty power of your imagination move into the realm of possibility with each in-breath. Imagine those to whom you are attending becoming free. Release all appearances and aspirations. Let your awareness rest non-conceptually in awareness itself where there is no body and no concept. So let's fill the day with dharma completely, like a cup that's filled to the rim. There's no place for anything that's not dharma. Then you have a happy day.